Each week, nearly a dozen movies are released theatrically. 40 films a month, more than 400 a year. That's a plethora of cinema. Too much cinema. You'd have to be an addict to see all that. But don't fret. We've got you covered. This is Cinematics. Hey everyone, it's another episode of Cinematics. This is episode 198. I am joined by my betters, Bruce Perky and Eric Holmes. Bruce Perky, how do I sound? Do I sound okay on the mic? I sound a little bit okay? Or do I sound a little bit weird? How do I sound? You sound okay to me. Uh, what, what do you think, Eric? He sounds okay to me. Do I, is, my, is my golden voice still working, Eric? What do you think? Greg, you always sound scrumptrilescent. Uh, oh, I don't know what what that is. That's very, very good. Uh, great news from Bruce Perky this week. He told us that our buddy, our brothers in arms, Anderson Cowan, like linoleum. Guys, did you listen to the, the recent film vault? What did Anderson say? Chime in, Eric Bruce. What did he say about linoleum? I, I only heard like 15 minutes of it. Uh, I was listening to it just before we started recording, so I didn't get that far in. But I believe Bruce did. So, Bruce? Yeah, they both really liked it. Uh, they did credit us for... Or, well, um, Anderson credited us for bringing it to his attention. And then also, I guess it became controversial because at least one of the fans of Film Vault was really upset saying it was just a ripoff of Donnie Darko. Um, so since I'm not part of the Film Vault, I'll just say back to that person, no, 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 you're wrong. See, what Linoleum is, is it's Donnie Darko for grownups. There you go. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. I I will not cut that out. I'm I have a I've developed a not a cowardly I used to have a coward I still have a cowardly streak, but I decided to keep that in. How dare you, Richard Kelly? Darnie Darko is a masterpiece, Eric. I love Donnie Darko, but I went oh. and watched it recently and it, it was good still, but it kind of doesn't I don't think it ages that well. N- neither you, do n- neither like do 15, we. Neither well, do we. Okay, Bruce. whatever. I I I, I'll take that, but I, you know, I, I will say I, I I do like Donnie Darko. I do In fact, too. The, the the whole the whole idea of uh, that he kind of knows what's coming and he decides to spoiler alert for Donnie Darko. He yeah. decides to kill himself and undo all the goodwill that he did for the love of that. Okay. You know, Okay. Yeah. Any other spoilers you want? Yeah. What, what else? Are you? Robert Shaw dies in Jaws. What else? <laughs> Come on. ET does phone home and he goes home. What else? Uh, Tyler Durden and Edward Norton are the same person, and okay. Bruce Willis is in okay. the movie. Ingrid Bergman oh. and Humphrey Bogart don't end up together in Casablanca. Anything else we want to spoil, folks? Well, so is the girlfriend in uh, in uh, Fight Club as well. Also, I, not a real person. It's a sled. You, 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 did you I know that it's a sled or a snow globe? <laughs> Back to the point, though, I wouldn't. Yes. I wouldn't have put together a linoleum with Donnie Darko. I see the similarities. I, 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 I see would, it. I, I would put it closer to the Notebook because okay. the the ending the is notebook. a lot closer to the Notebook than it is Donnie Darko. I but, can see that too. But now that you mentioned it, I can kind of see some Donnie Darko parallel. So it's not. It's you know, it's not completely ridiculous. Be, before I rudely interrupted you, Bruce, you were making a point about it's. You still love it. You still like it, but it's a little bit dated. What kind of uh, datedness did you see in Donnie Darko? I guess this time out. I mean, I guess just now it's just like seeing it with twenty year older eyes. I really like it, but it doesn't quite have that cool factor to me. It's it's. It's kind of edgelordy, <laughs> you know, okay. it's kind of try hard. Uh, it's good, but it's, I don't think it, I don't know. It just doesn't have that uh, emotional impact on me where I think linoleum has much more of an emotional punch. Yeah. Because Bruce, you and I are getting to that age where we are shedding our hashtag mortal coil. Is that why probably it, it resonates with us regarding could be. <laughs> could be. this other person who's upset about it is probably, you know, something in the 20, 30 something range. They probably got some more hair than me and it's 
probably in some kind of a bang situation. I don't know. What do, what do the kids these days do? Get off my lawn. Kids <laughs> these days don't bang. And, and besides, and no, be, they probably be, do. Besides that TFV listener, that film vault is probably robots, not listening. They bang robots. That's what they do. The only TFV listen, <laughs> the only TFV people who listen to the show are probably I'm thinking Diana Vandekamp, Anderson Cowan, who else, and our buddy Mitch Burns. Speaking of Mitch Burns, Bruce Berkey, you had a recent rendezvous with Mr. Burns. What happened? I did. Uh, I am the second member of the show to be on the Film Vaulters after Eric was the first. That only leaves one left to go. Um, I think Anderson's already done it. <laughs> uh, hello? He is, he is not. He is oh, not. Oh, he's not? He's not done it? Okay, well, uh, you know, Anderson. Two, two members. I, I, I take that back. <laughs> oh, uh, oh, by the way, uh, Mitch, yeah. Anderson called me. He said he's got to be on your next show, either the Film Vaulters or Hollywood Persona. Either one, Mitch. Just give Anderson a call. Give him a buzz. I'm sorry, Bruce. Go ahead. And we did, um, I'm not going to spoil it other than to say, well, I'll tell you what, the five top five that we did was um, movies that seem like homework. Mm. Mm. Movies that seem like homework, a.k.a. all of the films we cover each week on Cinematics. <laughs> we, I'm we, sorry. That's horrible. We, yes, we might, Eric. We might cover one of those today. <laughs> oh, we might. Uh, uh, okay. You better change that channel, Eric Holmes, if you're going to talk. Don't talk about that movie to me. Okay, no, we, we're talking about a movie. We're talking about this month, this month being July. We are part of the Cinematics Patreon community, me, Bruce, and Eric, and also Anderson. He's still getting cut. His spirit is is, is somewhere in the rafters. He's still around. Anderson's still around. But for this bonus episode, we are, we are covering the year 1999. One of those picks has been set in stone. Bruce Perky's choice was audition kidding his choice was notting hill that he went he went for the revolutionary black flag dark choice which is notting hill which i don't i don't mind i love that film very very much we have another choice this month and we need to go out to our patreon members to vote for the final movie bad news though i haven't actually asked our patreon members currently to vote yet i will give i will put on our patreon board the final list that has gone up, thank you to all the people in our Cinematics Facebook group who've contributed, as well as Mitch Burns and Abby Schmidt. Abby Schmidt's choice, by the way, guys, I don't know if you know this. She's a Patreon member. She picked Austin Powers, the spy who shagged me. And since Abby's been a part of the Patreon community since day one, I think I might actually have to cook the books here. I, I can't believe I'm saying this on Cinematics. So maybe 1999, if you Patreon members do not vote, it will be Notting Hill, Bruce's choice, and Austin Powers, the spy who shagged me. I'm sure people like Peter Beta and Mitch Burns will have something to say about that. We're going to have like maybe one a, a voting round first and then maybe a final round as far as like hopefully there's some kind of round, enough voters to go two rounds out of this. But right now, it's the spy who shagged me, Austin Powers, and Notting Hill. Yes, Eric Holmes. Uh, funny thing about Austin Powers, uh, both Austin Powers and Summer of Sam were the first two DVDs ever got because my oh. brother got a dvd player and he got awesome powers the spy who shagged me and uh summer sam so that, okay. that doesn't matter but okay fact, eric, i guess okay eric eric holmes this fun fact stuff is I, we had this meeting when we started movie mainland three years ago oh we yeah are boring a, facts only we are a movie podcast procedural no, like Bruce Perky, did you listen to Bruce Perky's mandate? We are going to be a Dick Wolf Law and Order show. We, it's 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 just the facts, just the movies, no personal stuff. Eric, Greg, Dick Wolf, this is a family show. Come on, 
<laughs> okay, so that is look, 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 listeners. This is the first personal stuff that you've heard, you've heard from us in several years. Anderson's a very personal guy. That's probably why we're more detached. But I'm glad you're bringing a little bit of intimacy and personality into the show. Bruce, can you start bringing some some of your life into the show too? We need a little bit more intimacy uh, and cinematics. Yeah, yeah. The the first DVD that I bought was uh, The Matrix. There you go. Oh, The Matrix. Okay. I I was in uh, my first uh, press chunk was with. Uh, T.W. Griffith, um, I, you know, way, way back in the day, there's like horses and there's like things and a little bit so of racist undertones. I don't think I was even allowed train to do the interviews. Train pulls into station. Is that yes. what it was? One of those. Yeah. There were Potemkins going on. I don't know. Care, you know, the thing with the shopping carts with the babies falling out. We, a lot of different things. We have a lot of different things on this podcast before we go. Anything. We're done with the intro. Bruce and Eric, you want to say something before? Eric, you want to plug something that we might not cover this podcast, but maybe people should see this weekend here. Uh, the, this, oh, well, uh, uh, well, this weekend we got the flood, we got okay. Lakota nation versus the United States. We got the channel. There was the another movie that, that, that you were thinking about, like promoting. Remember that other movie that you were thinking about, uh, saying that was gonna, we're going to see or something, a movie that's coming out this weekend that we didn't get to cover. I, you, you wanted to plug, remember that thing? That little oh, thing? I, odd hours, no pay, cool hat. What did you call me? No, odd hours, no pay, cool hat. Okay. Yeah. So that that's jeez. Uh, th- thanks, Greg. Greg's no much. Uh, Greg's much more astute and on the ball than I am. Uh, odd hours, no pay, no hat. It's in theaters now. Uh, well, it came out on uh, July seventh, and it'll be on uh, digital and on demand on July twenty seventh. But I have not seen it yet. I will uh, be covering it next week, and maybe Greg or Bruce will hop on. Maybe, maybe not. We will see. But uh, yeah, it, it came on. They they hit me up like really late. I haven't had time to watch it, but I will watch it for next week. So uh, check it out. And if you've seen it, let us know what you thought. Speaking of thinking, before we get to our features, I just want to give a little bit of a shout out to a film that I don't know, Bruce or Eric, if you're going to watch this weekend. I should have gotten a screening links a long time ago. Screener links a long time ago. I saw it. I didn't cover it last week. The Jim Caviezel movie, Sound of Freedom. I know, Bruce, you, you might be scoffing at this. The movie currently, as we speak, as of what, Wednesday, it's made over $45 million at the box office. It's considered, I don't know if you've heard about this, all, this whole brouhaha regarding you know, pretty much regarding Sound of Freedom. There's people who are saying it's just a faith-based movie. It's very getting very politicized. I want to say something, though. If you're a fan of Jim Caviezel, I think you're going to like him in this. He plays the real-life person, Tim Ballard, former government agent who decides to actually go out on his own to you know, put a, put a dent into child sex trafficking in Colombia. So he's, it, he's very – basically risks his family, his life, his, just his it, – it's a self-sacrificial kind of situation with Sound of Freedom. And you're thinking a movie about – child sex trafficking it could be very exploitative or maybe even just might be one of these movies that preaches to the choir too much and might be boring but i interviewed i don't know if you guys saw my interview with alejandro monteverde last week very talented filmmaker the movie is beautifully shot just take away the trafficking take away the the true story of tim ballard take away the politics it's a well-done film i really enjoyed it now Here's the thing. There's been a groundswell, and this is where we as Find Your Film, as Cinematics, I think is very interesting. We've always trumpeted indie films like Linoleum. And this way, and in a, in a way, even though this is not a quote-unquote indie film, it does have a budget, like I think maybe $14 million. The fact that, I don't know if you guys know, know this, Sound of Freedom 
was supposed to be distributed by Disney back in, I think, 2018, was not released until five years later. And now this is a big success story because they didn't have a great... Angel Studios did not spend millions of dollars on marketing. And just based on word of mouth and this... Have you guys heard of, of this pay it forward ticket thing where... Eric I saw pay it forward with Bond yeah, with and Ke- Kevin Spacey. Kevin Spacey years ago with Haley Joel Osment. No, this this is weird because my mom is a huge Caviezel fan. She after watching the the screener link, she wanted to donate. She went on to Angel Studios. By the way, this is not sponsored. I just think that this is really cool. And she donated thirty dollars to for two tickets on Angel.com. This was about a week and a half ago. Two tickets. And for thirty bucks. And that two tickets go is goes pays it like Eric it pays it forward. So people who can't afford to actually purchase a ticket for Sound of Freedom will now get these tickets if they I'm sure apply to get free tickets from Angel Studios for Sound of Freedom. Now, their initial goal was two million, two million dollars. Hashtag two million for two million. Okay, it's reached two hundred twenty four percent of its goal, four point four million tickets, and it's forty five million dollars and counting. I, what do you guys do? You guys, uh, what do you think of that marketing? I think it's. It kind of blew me away. Do you think, Bruce? Do you think this is a, a kind of marketing strategy that could be copied as far as paying it forward or the crowdfunding your your film before it's released? Could people maybe, learn? Maybe yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, it's hard for me to say. I'm judging from outside, but it's captive audience sort of a thing. I know that same thing kind of happened with the you know Passion of the Christ and that kind of stuff, where it's like the whole congregation is very much encouraged to go see movies when they come out of a certain type. Um, so my guess, I'm guessing there's some element of that as well. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know, but I mean, Hey, it's smart business, you know, what are you going to say? Yeah. And no one's ever accused uh, organized Christianity of not being able to make money. So. <laughs> yeah. And here's the thing. It's not, look, there's a couple moments where the, the, the uh, phrase God's children is used, but overall, I think it's just a good movie. So, I'm Catholic. I mean, for some reason, you guys are still my friends, but um, you know, that's a joke. Eric, you're supposed to laugh. We're, I'm, I'm we're kidding. Trying to well, well, it's good. Trying to convert when, you. Okay. <laughs> when we die, we're going to hell, so it'll it'll all even out. Hey, you're going to drag us up. Uh, I I just I tell you all my inner secrets. What happened with the publicist before we started recording? You know, I'm going to hell too. So don't worry about that. But it's <laughs> no. not a freedom. Great. You're going to need to make a movie called Drag Us to Heaven, and you're going to be the one <laughs> shaking us up. You know, I still haven't seen that Sam Raimi Drag Us to Hell, but I have seen Sound of Freedom. Here's the thing, audience. Amer- is it America's movie? Well, not the, the critics. Currently, seventy nine percent audience score on Rotten Tomatoes. Going to Bruce's point, is it a captive audience, or is it has it reached an audience outside of that captive community? Currently, one hundred percent or over five thousand verified ratings. So Maybe let it's us America's, know. America's America's movie. It might be America's movie, right? No, no, no. Yeah. Take the A off. America's movie. Uh, oh, okay. okay. Apostrophe love- M. Erica. Okay, is it America or America's film? Interesting counterpoint from Bruce and Eric. Nice, interesting stuff. Sound of Freedom. Maybe one day, Eric Holmes. I am, I'm Catholic. I am praying one day Eric and Bruce see it, and they will tell me their honest truth if the movie works for them. So, anyways, that's Sound of Freedom. Check it out in theaters. Most importantly, tell us what you think of Sound of Freedom. Do you think it's really cool? I think for me, I'm giving it four and a half out of five. I'm a huge Caviezel fan. And I don't know. It's one of these things. Jim Caviezel, Stephen Dorff for Eric Holmes at Scott Adkins. I don't know who it is for you, Bruce. Is there an actor who you, you just got to watch anything that they do? No. Following actors is always a mistake. 
Oh, hold on, back up. You said Scott Atkins. Carol Lombard. I'm going to put Carol Lombard on you. Yes, yes. Scott Atkins is in Sound of Freedom. I'm in. No, no, no. I'm just saying these are the actors <laughs> that we will follow. To, to oh yeah, if, yeah. If he was yeah, but Bill Camp's in it, and he's Bill Camp is very very cool. That is my my diatribe, my speech on Sound of Freedom. Let's get to our featured reviews. Tell us again. Tell us what you think of Sound of Freedom. I don't know how much money it's going to make this weekend. It should be more money. I don't know. Are you guys going to see Dial of Destiny or Mission Impossible? Bruce and Eric, can we start covering commercial films because we're we're just we're basically I, so insular and independent. It's Bruce's I'm, fault, not not, I'm, not not my fault. I'm not at fault. all interested in the new Indiana Jones. <laughs> Why? But the, no. I, I I I'm just not like okay. if, if the kids want to watch it, I I might, but. The Am Mission I? Impossible, yeah. it's Christopher McQuarrie. I love yes. Christopher McQuarrie. I'll probably watch the Mission Impossible. Okay. Yeah, okay. So yeah. you're really good. I, go I, I, I don't know if we want to break the break the uh, non-blockbuster chain with what we've been doing so far. But if we did, that might be one that I, I would break it for because I, I do. I love Christopher McQuarrie. What, on Anderson's last episode, which was a Patreon episode, I, I'm sure you guys have listened to it. When he praised us for all those years just covering indie films like oh yeah we we're, all three of us we're just kind of stupid right we just well, ignore all of the big movies out there are well, we the, just, are the, we weird, the, the weird thing is whether i cover mission impossible next week or not yeah. um you can throw a rock and hit twenty thousand other youtube channels and and podcasts that will talk about the latest blockbuster you know who's going to talk about lakota nation versus the united states or the flood or the channel or final cut are you trying us, to defend? Are you just us are you, and are you trying to very defend our few show? other people? Are you, oh, are you okay? Okay, I like that. You like? Do you like Eric? Eric, that's a courtroom drama situation, Eric Holmes. Do you? It is. <laughs> very good, Eric. Hey, Bruce, I'm going to be the other lawyer. I just want our stuff to be homogenized. What do you think about that, Bruce? Are you okay with that? Homogen, homogenized <laughs> stuff or or Eric's out of order. <laughs> out of order. I don't have okay, a now, gavel, right? Get it. The whole okay. damn system's out of order. <laughs> out of order. I'm gonna keep slamming it. Out of order. Out of now, order. I know how now, much uh, Anderson loves that. At the end of that movie. <laughs> uh, yes. Now let's get into order. Let me shut up and let me yield the floor to Eric Holmes and Bruce Perky. It'll be you guys will choose. One of you will start with Lakota Nation versus the united states one of you will take the mantle as far as describe this documentary and have this conversation i'm going to shut up now <laughs> go <Yes>. eric <laughs> so lakota nation versus united states directed by jesse shortpole laura tomaselli and writing credits uh Lely long soldier um how do we put this so you know, in America, uh, for those of uh, Americans listening to this, um, we know a little bit about how the settlers have uh, screwed over the indigenous nation once uh, our ancestors came here. Um, you know, we learn a little bit of that in school. I uh, think, like, I don't know about uh, Greg years and Bruce's experience, but... Uh, I know with mine, we learned about like Thanksgiving and how the pilgrims came over and made friends with the Indians and had a Thanksgiving dinner because they were all friends. <laughs> and then you get further on into school and you start learning that like, uh, yeah, there was a, uh, you know, there was a little uh, trouble between the two, um, you know, but you know, it wasn't that bad. And then you start seeing movies, um, you know, old Western movies where the Indians are, or it's kids, you play cowboys and Indians, Indians are always the bad guys. 
And uh, there's a certain, there's a certain, uh, I don't know what you would call that. There's a certain stuff that you learn uh, growing up in a certain, you know, uh, if you grew up like I did, you grew up knowing that, yeah, the Indians weren't treated well, um, but, you know, it kind of worked itself out. And then you watch a movie like Lakota Nation versus United States. And I suspected that Indians weren't treated well. I didn't know quite to what extent. And this documentary just lays it all the F out there. This is a family show. But you know what? Um, uh, curse words aside, this is, I think this is a required viewing for any American to watch. Um, it's kind of, uh, it, it's embarrassing. Uh, granted, we have uh, we have our slavery past that we don't really, you know, talk about. We'll, we'll talk about it, but we don't really engage in it. You know, the whole thing with reparations is like, well, that that was them. I didn't own slaves. It's like, well, it's, yeah, but that it doesn't mean that there's not a debt to be paid. It's like, well, you know, I grew up, I grew up in uh, Bellevue, Nebraska. Um, I had nothing to do with taking over, you know, uh, pushing the the indigenous people aside. I had nothing to do with the, oh, what was the uh, Dakota 38? Holy crap. Had no idea about that. Apparently, Abraham Lincoln's not the saint we thought he was. Um, there's just so much information about this to show how uh, just indigenous people in general were just shafted so hard. And not not just shafted, but like uh, tortured, uh, executed. Um, they kind of kept getting pushed back further, further, further into a corner. And this uh, this documentary just kind of illustrates that um, what happened to them and what they want. And all they want is we want the Black Hills. The United States just you know it starts off that. Uh, Okay, we get this half of the United States, you get that half of the United I don't think it was called the United States back then, but we get this half of the area, you get that half of the area and we'll be fine. Like, okay, sounds good. Oh, you know what? We uh we found oil right there, you know, we're going to take this portion of it and you're going to move up and it's like, "Wait, what? No, it's cool. <laughs> you're moving now." And then you just see the map getting smaller and smaller, and smaller. The gold rush ha- comes and like the whole west side's gone and it just comes down to like this little the black Hills and they really don't have much to say about it. <clears throat> and as, uh, you know, as recourse, um, you know, the, uh, the conversation is, uh, as it usually is, the victims are, you know, Oh, that they're, they're savages. They're, you know, they're terrorists. They're, you know, all these things, you know, the the narrative goes the way that it should not be to the point to where I'm, you know, a little Eric Holmes in school learning that the pilgrims came over and made friends with the Indians and everything was fine. When in fact, when in fact, the true story is quite horrifying. And the great thing about this documentary is at the very end. It's like, well, what are we supposed to do? Are we supposed to leave? And it's like, that's not what they're saying. That's not what they're saying. Like the documentary even ends with a uh here's how we can make this better, which a lot of a lot of times you'll have documentaries come out 
and they'll, you know, they'll have a problem and they'll say, look at this problem. And then the viewer is left with, well, what do we do? Because there's no answer. There's an answer here. And it's a pretty good one. And I'll leave it to Bruce. But I, I think this is a, I think this documentary is a required viewing for anyone living in America. Anyone living outside of America, it'd be good viewing just to see the follies of our past. Well, this just proves that Eric is really behind critical race theory. That's what I can see right now. Exactly. No, this is this is just just is an absolute um, representation of why that's such an idiotic concept. The whole concept of critical race theory. We'll be hearing a lot more of that next year, I am sure. The idea that inconvenient history just we don't need to talk about that because it makes us feel bad. It makes us feel bad about being Americans. You know that's not good. This movie is pretty pretty intense and pretty great. Um, and I think Eric nailed it on the head. I think most people have an understanding, a, a basic understanding, like just a general understanding that like, oh yes, Native Americans had a terrible deal. Uh, there were treaties and they were not really followed. But this movie, kind of like he says, is just granular detail, but it's never boring. And it really just is, it's, this is not the whole history of Native American in the United States. This is pretty much one general region, but I'm sure it's repeated over and over again, versions of this. And not only does it give you all these facts, like he talked about the Dakota 38, I think it was. Yeah. And all these, you know, just something as simple as Mount Rushmore and like what Mount Rushmore means, you know, it's really interesting to see that, you know, for everything from North by Northwest, where we've got Hitchcock and a fight on Mount Rushmore. And it's this great iconic thing for America. And, understanding like why it exists and what it really does. There's just things like that throughout this uh, movie. And also just talking about how the people here in the Black Hills area, and there's hundreds of tribes, but they're all kind of grouped as a group, which of course is another very white American thing to do is just like, well, you're all Indians, right? That's it. You're all the same thing. No, no, they're not. But anyway, it makes a point of how this group or parts of this group have been fighting back ever since and have never stopped fighting back even to the point where they're offered settlements of millions and millions and millions of dollars. And they'll be like billions, billions. Yeah. Eventually billions. Yeah. And they're just like, no, just give us our land. It's ours. Just give it back to us. You know, it's ours. Simps, very simple, right? But not, not so simple apparently. Uh, And the last thing I want to point out, there's a few things this movie does. It's really, really great for a documentary. Um, it does it keeps giving us people talking about it within within the various tribes now and some of them are direct descendants so it makes this you know the whole thing that eric was talking about where it's like well that was you know hundreds of years ago we we didn't do this we're not doing it now but it's like you're literally saying like this is the great grandfather son or granddaughter or the granddaughter of the person that this happened to they're still here this is still happening to them it's immediate. It's now. It's it's a real thing actually occurring in your world as we speak. I think it does a great job of that. And then another thing it does that's really great is throughout it, there's kind of some um, storytelling aspects, poetry kind of storytelling aspects, um, which is really cool, I think, and actually really fitting. And the whole idea that these a lot of times these histories were always told or story told or a combination of stories and images and things like that. So it's, it's not only giving us the, the information, but it's also giving it in a way that 
is befitting. Uh, it's it's this is just a fantastic documentary. And one, oh, real, real quick, one of my favorite lines is actually kind of towards the end and kind of encapsulates what this documentary is about. Is uh, one of the guys they interviewed was like, uh, "Look, I don't, I don't want to go back to a teepee. I grew up listening to Tupac. All I want yeah. is the the land and the the power and respect that my people deserve." I'm like, that's that's not too much to ask. In fact, that's incredibly fair. So that is Lakota Nation versus United States. We have to mention also it's directed by Jesse Shortbull and Laura Tomaselli, written and narrated by acclaimed poet. I probably am mispronouncing this, Laylee Long Soldier. And then it's also executive produced by Sarah Eaglehart, Mark Ruffalo, and Marissa Tomei. Now, as far as Lakota Nation versus United States, Eric and Bruce have really praised this documentary. Where can you see it? Well, it's going to be playing in New York theaters only on July 14th. Good news, though, on July 21st, it is expanding to L.A. and additional theaters. If you want more information, I will leave it in the show notes. It says you can go to Lakota Nation versus us dot movie. Final thoughts, Eric or Bruce, before we get to ratings. Uh, this is very fantastic documentary. I give it five stars. And more importantly, I think with uh both with uh, documentaries like this and anything dealing with uh, American slavery or, you know, if I, I'm not Germans, but I, from what I hear Germans um, kind of accept their pat, their Nazi pass in ways that I think that we probably could with the way we treated the indigenous people of America and uh, slavery, because when you, when you do that, then, I think you can kind of, uh, you know, whatever healing or whatever ways that there are to make it right. Like it's so far gone. You can never make it completely right, but there are things that can be done to kind of, I don't know what can be done. It's been so long and we've ignored it for so long. This kind of, this kind of completely effed but that doesn't mean that we shouldn't look at head on and go yeah our our ancestors really screwed the pooch and is there anything i can do now to make it a little better i don't know um but maybe i don't know documentaries like this are important and this one went hard into the history and i learned a bunch from it okay so that's five stars from eric holmes bruce what is your rating uh five stars same Okay, five stars, Lakota Nation versus United States again in New York, July 14th, July 21st, big expansion in Los Angeles and other cities. I'm sure this is a documentary that will be much talked about in the coming weeks. Next up is a movie called Final Cut, and it's from Kino Lorber. And Bruce, why don't you take it away with that one? Uh, Final Cut, uh, directed by, oh boy, let me get this name. <laughs> I don't think I can do it. <laughs> Michelle. Hazan Ificius. <laughs> Perfect. I nailed that. Hazan Evictus. <laughs> there you go. Thank you. Hazan Evictus. Hazan Evictus. We'll go with that. We got it. All three times. Perfect. Uh, yeah. So this is pretty easy to describe if you've seen One Cut of the Dead, because this is a French, essentially a French remake of One Cut of the Dead. So like, okay, what was the name of the movie where it was the... Um, the guy that was the 911 operator and they remade it with uh, Jake, you know, oh, on Netflix. The, the, the guilty. The guilty. Yes. Thank you. 
So that was a movie where we kind of watched and said, oh, this is pretty good, but why? And I think this is actually the same exact thing in a lot of ways. So the basic concept of One Cut of the Dead, if you don't know, and this movie are the first, and I'm not going to go, I'm not going to spoil it exactly, but I'm going to give you the basic concept is the first third of the movie is kind of this one shot, really low budget zombie movie, and you're just watching it happen. But it seem, when you're watching it, it seems odd. Some things seem really awkward. Some things don't seem very polished, and you're not sure why. And then the rest of the movie kind of will revert to the making of that movie. And I won't say exactly what version of the making of that movie it gets into, but it does various things that kind of becomes more and more meta and kind of folds in on itself. And it, it's pretty comic overall um, and a little bit heartfelt. That being said, the question is, does the French do anything better or different that makes it worth being its own movie? And that that's kind of the core question. First of all, kind of like The Guilty. If you've never seen either of them, you could probably watch either of these and get a lot of enjoyment because the basic bones of it are pretty strong. So I think if you're a, you know, a brand newbie and the first one you catch is the French one, you're, you're going to have a good time with it. I personally think that the uh, Japanese version is pretty much superior all the way around for, for my taste. Once again, I think that's a little less goofy than the French version. I think it has a little more heart than the French version. The one thing the French version does, which I thought was kind of cool, and I wish they would have leaned into this and actually made it its own movie, is this. The French version exists in a world where the Japanese version exists as well. So basically, the movie that's being made, the, the fake movie that's being made in the movie of One Cut of the Dead, is a movie that exists in this French world. So they know about it. Uh, and there's a couple great little twists in this one where the reality of that existence of that Japanese movie makes an effect on this movie. I wish it had done even more of that. I wish this movie would have been totally disrupted and transposed and destroyed and weirdly turned inside out and become its own weird thing because of the existence of the Japanese movie. It didn't quite do that. It pretty much stayed to the bones overall. So I would say for me, it's a mild recommend because I enjoyed it overall, but not as much as the original. Eric, do you echo the same sentiments or did it pick up for you? Because I, I know you were a little bit disheartened or discouraged the first maybe several minutes when you're watching it. So first time yeah, uh, pretty much the same thing as Bruce. Um, the, uh, the stuff that like the commentary they had on remakes and the, the meta that the one cut of the dead exists in this world that they're making was uh pretty cool. But like that, that's the thing. Like you're doing a remake of one cut of the dead, which is already a meta commentary on its own. Go, go full on on there. And they didn't. And there was like, it was basically one cut of the dead again. Yes, and so and once in a while they're like, "Oh yeah, this other movie exists." And it's like, "Okay, that that's cool, but whatever." I I guess there was some stuff that they mentioned about like uh, um, the don't use fake tears thing, which that that kind of actually bugged the hell out of me because I'm I'm not one for uh, method acting. The acting is craft. Act. <laughs> if you got to use fake tears, use fake tears. But your emotion's supposed to come out. It's a craft, but. Um, yeah, there's, there's ways that you could have remade this. that would have been really clever and really like 
why like going in like why why would you do a remake of one cut of the dead it's so great but like they had a chance to get really clever with it and they kind of dance around it but they never went full in on it so don't you think so the whole conflict between them and the japanese was interesting but don't you think the obvious choice would have been like what which is what you said like right start it with hey why would you want to make this you know and they're talking about it as they're getting ready to make it and then they lean into the frenchness of them like why would it be different because french people are doing it actually they could kind of poke fun at their own culture and how it would in its own way mess up one cut of the dead because of how french they are you know what i mean like you can see a version of this being made in different societies in america and the meta commentary is on the society making it and how it messes it up in its own special way because of that society that would have been fun like all the frenchness of it you know and I guess uh, with this one, I do appreciate the fact that the director's, um, he's not an artist. He's just kind of a, you know, journeyman or whatever you would call that. Like, I'm just here to make movies, like, you know, by the book. Like, he has no sense of art whatsoever. Um, and then through his daughter in making this movie, he kind of, uh, kind of grows to appreciate that. So I like that message. But again, this is like, that's like such a small part of what this is that, you know, it, if you saw, if you saw one cut of the dead, I might uh, watch the middle part of this. Uh, the, the opening part's not going to help. And the end parts, the exact same gag that they had in one cut of the dead, like the, the only part worth watching of this is the middle chunk. And if you've seen one cut of the dead, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Even with this, um, that's really it. As a whole, I I don't know. No. Okay, so let's go to ratings. July 14th, that is for Final Cut. Let's start off with you, Bruce. What is your rating on this movie? Um, for me, it's three stars. I, I didn't hate watching it. And once again, I think it'll vary widely depending on your experience. If you have seen the other one, you're, not, you're probably going to be in my boat. If you haven't, you might enjoy it a lot more. I don't know. Okay. Three stars from Bruce. What about you, Eric Holmes? If you haven't seen One Cut of the Dead... This would probably be four and a half, but since I saw one cut of the dead, I'm probably at two stars. It, it brings a little to the table, but not nearly enough to warrant a remake. Uh, you know what? If you, if you don't speak Japanese and you speak French, this one will be easier <laughs> <Perfect>. to follow. <laughs> so that is three stars, mild recommend for Bruce, and yeah, two stars yeah. from Eric Holmes for Final Cut again in theaters July 14th. I actually have a movie to bring for this week, and that is Bird Box Barcelona. Bar, bird, wait, it is Bird Box Barcelona. But before I start on the review, have you guys seen Bird Box, the Sandra Bullock film Bird Box? Yes. If, if so, yes, would love. Uh, would love your comments on the film. I know it's been a couple of years. What did you think? Does that movie work? Did you like Bird Box, yeah. Eric? Yeah. yeah. What made it stand I, out for you? Oh, uh, was the uh, actually doesn't um you, to, you can't see word, right. You you're blind. You have to. You I had this out. weird feeling that Bird Box kind of uh, oh what was it um the the guy in the radio station where you hear a certain word oh and then uh, that, yeah 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 I know what you're talking about um. Oh, can't remember. It the name starts of it with now. a P. Uh, this mm. is gonna bug the crap out of me. Yeah, me too. I know you're talking about where he's just in a radio station the whole time, and it's, it's like, like a zombie, not. Zombie it's not Pomple Moose, but it's like a it's a weird P or F word, but yeah. not. The, but anyway, so yeah, I, I like the idea of Bird Box. Um, you know, it's it's been done before in that the other movie that I can't remember the name for. 
That's gonna bug the crap. You're gonna remember after we re- we as soon as we're done. Yeah, I can't remember it either, and I've seen it too. I know Greg, Greg, about. Greg, let me cut in and say <laughs> the name of the movie is. <laughs> but, um, yeah, yeah, Bird Box. I I like the I like the idea. It's been done before, but I I like where Bird Box went and the ending. Um, I don't know what that is. Oh, I don't know what the, the, the ending. ending of Bird, I, I really like the ending of Bird Box. Okay, do you agree with that, Bruce? As far as Bird Box, from your recollection, seeing, did you like the ending? Was it did the movie work as a genre film, etc.? Mm, I liked it. Okay, I mean, it was kind of that perfect Netflix kind of movie. Although it kind of got buzzy. I remember everyone was doing the Bird Box challenge. People were like blindfolding themselves and trying to do stuff in their house. And I remember it was the first time I saw MGK, oh so I have to mock it down at half star for that. Um, yeah, Pontypool. Okay, Pontypool. Pontypool. Yes, Pontypool. Sorry, I got excited. Oh, very good. Very good. Pontypool. <laughs> Pontypool. Yes, uh, and I also think there's a little bit of the happening in this movie too. Bird Box has a little bit of the happening going on. I, I am. I was actually curious to see this movie because I feel like it could be even worse, but possibly more entertaining. Oh, for Bird Box Barcelona, which goes yeah. to my review of the film. And the reason why this is going to be a very short review is I received nothing against Netflix. I love you. They sent us a letter as far as what what you can't really explain. I'm not going to read exactly what I can't. I don't. I can't talk about that. It, but that will kind of go against the whole idea of don't <laughs> right, talk about. Right. This. Yes, yeah. Let don't, me don't talk about, about this message. I cannot first talk rule. about that Tyler Durden and uh, yeah, right. is the same person. I cannot talk about that Bruce Willis is in the movie. <laughs> we can't tell you at the end what happens at the end. What, does Dorothy ever go home? But anyway, the Planet of the Apes is actually uh, oh, <laughs> yes, Soul and Green. Green there, people, yes. Oh, there you go. So many spoilers this episode. Look, I'm gonna say this. As far as things I can't say, there's one, two. There's about four things I can't say, and let's just say four things I can't say regarding Bird Box Barcelona covers the entire movie. Okay, so I really can't mention anything, but. I can read the plot summary that they actually released. It says, from the producers of Bird Box comes Bird Box Barcelona, an expansion of the film that riveted audiences in 2018. After a mysterious force decimates the world's population, Sebastian must navigate his own survival journey through the desolate streets of Barcelona. Now, Sebastian is played by international star Mario Casas and also... Georgina Campbell from Barbarian. She's in this movie as Claire. She is, let's just say, she's a character in the movie. That's all I can say. And there's also a couple of she's a children. Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, you're spoiling I will. I can say. I'm not going to say if she's a bird or not. But there's a couple of children in this movie as well. It deals with spirituality, religion, a lot of big themes within this apocalyptic landscape of Bird Box Barcelona. I can say this though. I enjoyed the entire journey of Sebastian. The action sequences are really good. There's about a couple of really great action sequences. One occurs within the opening act, which is a kind of a a WTF moment, which drew me in. And it's a I can't I can't say what that moment is, of course, because because of the letter. But it's worth it. It's really worth it. I just enjoyed it. That said, it goes back to Final Cut. I have not seen One Cut of the Dead. And I have not seen Bird Box. So maybe my enjoyment of Bird Box Barcelona is tempered by the fact that I haven't seen Bird Box. Maybe if I saw Bird Box, Bruce, and liked it as much as Eric, I might have tracked this one down a little bit more. But the fact that Barcelona, I said it's about religion and spirituality a little bit. I mentioned about me being Catholic. I liked a lot of those kind of elements in this movie as well. And as far as the genre piece, 
it the final act is really riveting. I really enjoyed Bird Box Barcelona. It makes me want to actually go see the original film. I know I'm not saying much, except that definitely check it out. It's worth it. Oh, you'll, you see it in the trailer. When he starts realizing that everything is going to SHIT, because you know it starts off with all these newscasts, right, in his office, and he goes out and he sees everything just falling down. <laughs> right, exactly. You're trying to spell. Right. Your family I'm show. Never, but I, I'm not a good reader. And you're not a good reader. I can't read it. <laughs> I don't even know how to spell Pontypool, by the way. But so anyway, so a lot of crazy things happen in this movie. It really, really works. Bird Box Barcelona, I thought it was going to be sort of a waste of time, maybe a, a pale imitation of Bird Box. I don't know if it is a pale imitation. I, all I can say is I really enjoy this film. My rating for Bird Box Barcelona, solid four and a half out of five stars. Eric Holmes, thank you for so that. Quick, Friday, July 14th. Yes, sir. Eric Holmes on Netflix. Yes, sir. Yeah, quick question. Is this a remake of Bird Box or is this a sequel to Bird it's Box? It's pretty much an, a, sort of a sequel. It's an expansion okay. of it. Bird Box has happened where, wherever Sandra Bullock was in. Oh, right? so it kind of like world. happened at the same time. This is what's going on over right. here in Barcelona. I know. So, yeah. Did the letter tell you, is this going to be like that family where the, all their kids have the same first letter in their names? It's going to be Bird Box Boston and Bird Box <laughs> Brazil and Bird Box. I will reveal that that's not one of the points that are mentioned in this letter. Aha, that so I it's need- true. You're saying that's what it is going to do. <laughs> Bird Box <laughs> Bellevue, Nebraska. We need to follow Very these true. Netflix letters to the T because I love Netflix. Do you love Netflix, Bruce? Sure. <laughs> yes. Do, do you love Netflix, Eric Holmes? As soon as they start paying the writers, I'm right behind them. Okay, very, very good. Okay, so that is Bird Box Barcelona. Let's get to another movie that we did. It's called The Channel. Clayne Crawford and Max Martini, they play brothers, former military vets. I believe they're fellow ex-Marines. They are, they have other Marines joining them, but they're not joining them for a game of cards or poker. They're joining them for a bank heist in believe New Orleans it happens in Louisiana so the bank heist goes eh, a little bit south there is a heat like uh, shooting in the first act and then it leads to the brothers trying to escape their hopefully possibly their inevitable capture maybe it might be one of these inevitable brothers uh, their crime their brothers in crime and will they be caught will they be killed what will happen there is an FBI head who is trying to chase them down throughout the movie and there's the, the wife of Clayne Crawford's character, she's understandably worried because they have a kid, et cetera, et cetera. That is the premise of the channel directed by William Kaufman. I really enjoyed it, enjoyed the movie. There's some really great action sequences, the bank heist, as well as the third act, which I really enjoyed. I like the whole kind of gritty aspect to it. There's also a sequence where I can't, I don't even know if I can mention the sequence, but there's a sequence which will, uh, I kind of turn my stomach a little bit with, with what was going to happen. And I thought that was a really well-mounted scene. I could, that's my opinion, but I'm getting kind of non-excited vibes from Eric Holmes. What do you think of the channel, Eric Holmes? Am I wrong? Did you actually like the movie? No, I, I actually did like this movie. Okay. Uh, there's there's a couple problems with it. I mean, uh, you know, on the thing, um, you know, I told you, Greg, that I, I like called this cheap heat, which do the filmmakers of the channel love the movie heat um, so much so that they ripped off one of the lines. The, uh, what am I doing? I'm talking to an empty telephone. Cause there's a dead man on the other end of this effing line. And uh, they had a, uh, Eric, in fairness, to butt in, I, when I interviewed Wim Coffin, you haven't seen the interview yet. I asked him no, what's his favorite movie. He, you know, I haven't released it yet. My bad. I asked he, him what his favorite movie is. He said Heat. 
and he basically that, 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 that completely makes sense yeah um but they ripped off the line kind of did a little worse but that's fine um there's uh there's some there's some light like i think i don't know if this is from the script or if this is um you know uh stuff they just kind of put it, it, it it's hard to it's hard to can it's hard to criticize a script when you haven't read it and i have not i just saw the movie um but there's a there's a couple lines in here where it's like i i would i would take that line out or i would go back and rewrite that so on and so forth um there's the action where you can tell that um first of all the action is staged really well like incredibly well but the problem is that they, you know, where you have like the shootout and heat, you know, it looks good because they use like blanks and like squibs and all that stuff. And it looks awesome. This, they don't have the budget that they had with heat. I don't know what their budget was, but I'm pretty sure it wasn't $60 million. Um, So they use like CGI bullet holes, CGI blood, stuff like that, which doesn't look great. But this is a movie that I think if they did another pass on the script took out some of the kind of lame lines and gave them a real budget and, and shot it exactly the way they did just, you know, with better effects or, uh, you know, better, uh, I don't even want to say better stunt coordination. Like a lot of this, a lot of the action in this movie is really good. It's just, I think the filmmakers were way too ambitious with whatever budget they had. And on one on one hand, it's kind of to the movie's detriment. On the other hand, I respect the hell out of it because they they just they went for it and they didn't quite succeed. But I appreciate you know I appreciate the uh, work and the ambition that went behind it. So this is not like uh, this definitely not going to be like a five star movie, but this is a pretty enthusiastic three star movie because. And I think with a better budget and another pass on the script, this probably could have been a five-star movie. This could have been like another like movie just as good as Heat. They they were on the right track. I just don't think they had the resources to pull it off the way they wanted to. Of course, we here at at uh, I was going to say Find Your Film because it's where we covered a lot of Clay's movies. Find Your Film is, of course, cinematics as well. We've last several years we in, we. Uh, we covered Killing of Two Lovers. We, co- we covered the integrity of Joseph Chambers. So we definitely have a prejudice for Clay Crawford. Thought he was very, very good in this movie as well. And Max Martini. We all, I mean, Eric, you love Max Martini's stuff as well. It just, re- I really love them as brothers. I love that chemistry. Yeah. And yeah, it, it shows. I, I like the acting from them as the leads. And I just, I really loved all the little pieces about it. And I love the rough and tumble aspect of it it's not a 60 million dollar movie or 100 million dollar movie but i love what kaufman was doing as a sort of a elevated b movie i really adore this film yes eric so with, without giving anything away um did they uh mention anything in the interview about shawshank redemption no because the the ending oh right 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 exactly there is a little bit of a, that shawshank element to it and by no, the way that, that, that there's like there's like uh you know they're they basically have their uh the movies that they love you know shining brightly on their sleeve on this one mm-hmm. and it's it's definitely rough around the edges almost too much so like they're biting off way more than they can chew but again this is uh yeah i i, I appreciate the attempt and i could see with a bigger budget this thing would have just would have been 
really great. Well, yeah, I guess you and I disagree with that. I like, I actually like the rough and tumble stuff behind the channel, and that is even without the bias of Clayton Crawford. So for me, my rating is four and a half out of five. I absolutely love this film. It, what, what about you, Eric? You said three stars on your on this? Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm going to go three stars on this. But again, like with a with a bigger budget to match their ambition, this easily could have been a four and a half, five star. But as it is, I'll go three star. But again, enthusiastic three stars. Okay, so that is the channel. It's in select theaters and on demand July 14th, again, directed by William Kaufman, who we might actually get pretty soon in a couple of weeks. I, I don't know, maybe Sweet. Eric will maybe Eric will interview him because I interviewed him for the channel. He has another movie coming down, The Pike, starring Jason Patrick as a lead. What do you think of that? I that should be an interesting movie. Anyways, Clint Crawford and Max. You had me at Jason Patrick. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, we gotta <laughs> we gotta get this. And uh, you know what? In fact, we'll pull the little rug over Bruce. I, we're we're gonna say we you and I were gonna be so excited. For the William Kaufman film, but you and I will pull it, and then we'll make make Bruce Bruce watch it himself and, and do the entire review. And right. then we're gonna make him rewatch the channel. You're gonna oh. you're gonna have a William Kaufman fest, Bruce. What do you think of that? You okay? <laughs> sure, I'm great. <laughs> no, I, I, I will say I don't know. I will say this: like, even though, like, again, the the uh, budget doesn't match the ambition. Uh, give the, the give this guy a real budget. Like, <laughs> uh, ima- imagine imagine. Uh, you know, William Kaufman with a $30 million, $60 million budget, like what he did with the channel, with what he had, imagine yeah. what he could do with like a hundred million. You mentioned this with, with certain filmmakers. This is one of those filmmakers. Like if he has real budget, he's going to do great things. Yeah. Well, his next movie is called Shrapnel. How's that for a title? Shrapnel, oh, oh, right? <laughs> yeah, in theaters on digital and on demand. So we'll be talking more of William Kaufman. Maybe he had more budget in Shrapnel. Maybe Eric Holmes will like it better than the channel. Maybe Bruce Perky might see Shrapnel as well. We'll see. I don't know. I don't know if we want to make Bruce see it because we, we have him cover a lot of, a lot of movies anyway. We'll, we'll see. He'll, he'll, uh, he still have to do the box movie today. So we get a lot of things to get to. I, I think, are we, are we done with our features, Bruce? What do you oh, think? God. Are we done? I think we're done. Uh, yeah, I think. Did you do the flood? Did you do oh, the we flood? didn't. We didn't do the flood. Very quickly before the flood, July fourteenth. I know biasly you've interviewed all of the principals, Eric. We're gonna do our intro for, for find your film after we record the show. If you yes. want to listen to Eric's full on epic Ben Hur sized re- interviews with the flood actors and director Brandon Slagle, I believe, as well as. Louis Mandalore and Nikki. Louis Mandalore, Nikki Whelan, and Casper Van Dien. And Casper, yeah, a lot. A lot. Um, that, I mean, uh, I, I mentioned this in the Casper Van Dien interview. This movie is basically Assault on Precinct 13 with an alligator. It's uh, just as fun as you suspect it would be. The alligator effects are, you know, the, the alligators are CGI, um, you know, and so much like uh, my issues with. Uh, the channel have the same issues with this, but it, it's all more or less uh, down to what the budget is versus, you know, what they do. But uh, also this is a movie that they don't take themselves very seriously. It's like, Hey, it's an alligator movie. We're going to have some fun with it. You know, we're stuck in the, we're stuck in a prison. The prison is flooded and there's a bunch of killer alligators trying to kill us. And it's, and there's killers it, too. There's prisoners and there's right. Yes. It, yeah. There's prisoners. And uh, you know, it, it's just uh, look. Assault on Precinct Thirteen with alligators. If you hear me say that, and you're like, "Oh, sounds stupid. Stay far away from this movie. This is not for you." Um, if you're like, "Ooh, Assault on Thir- Precinct Thirteen with alligators," tell me more. 
then this is for you, which I think is pretty much textbook three-star banger, which is what I'm giving the flood. A three-star banger from Eric Holmes. Again, that is The Flood opening in theaters on digital and on demand, I believe, on July 14th. If you want to hear all of our interviews, uh, not our, all of Eric's interviews for The Flood, check out our Find Your Film podcast feed. Before we get to Bruce's What's in the Box pick, Pete, before you drop the beat, I'm going to have to tell you something, Pete. Anderson Cowan, his delicate ears, and my delicate ears, we're getting older. I don't know if we can handle that huge scream. I don't know. Bruce and Eric, do you think I should... Uh, maybe lighten the the scream. What should I do? Maybe your, your old ears are getting quieter. You need to turn Quiet. it up. So I'm sorry. <laughs> Pete, louder, you, you, louder. This might be the last time we're going to drop the beat. But if I say Pete, drop the beat next time. You might, you, I, I, you might hear like the sound of running water. I apologize. <laughs> it might be one of those things. So, but anyways, I still love that moniker. As we say, in find your film movie mainline. Read that beat in and out. And in, just breathe, Pete. Remove your hand from the box, and you die. What's in the box? Pain. All right, guys, we are back. Very good, Eric Holmes, on that segue. Now, Beast of the Southern Wild, Bruce Perky. It, it was a huge hit when it came out. Everyone was saying yeah. that director is going to be a big time filmmaker. The the star was going to the child star was going to be go, go on to big things. It was a big deal. Was it worth it? That that movie? Yeah, and I never watched this movie, and I, I have a feeling I think Eric watched it, so it might have been homework to him. I, I, I have a suspicion he he might have hinted at that, or at least thinking that it was a homework movie. This is one of those movies that's kind of just been in you know around for a long time. I've heard about it, just never got around to watching it. So it's in the box, and I pulled it out uh, from 2012, directed by Ben Zeitlin, I guess is how you say that name. I'm not sure. Or Zeitlin. And then uh, the main character that everyone's heard about is Quivangene uh, Wallace, and I believe she was like six when she did this movie, somewhere around there, five or six. Uh, she plays Hush Puppy. Uh, the main other, there's a lot of characters in here, but the main other character is her father, who goes by Wink. Uh, played by Dwight Henry. Uh, the basic concept of this is it's kind of, kind of magic realism, but leaning more towards the realism side of things. They're in a place they call the bathtub, like loosely they call it the bathtub, but it's essentially it's a very uh, New Orleans bayou type of area where it is mostly uh, run down, very 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 poverty stricken. Uh, half the time in this movie it's fully flooded and there's sort of a wall uh, that is separating them from kind of this industrial area and presumably more money is on the other side of that wall. And the movie just follows hush puppy and her dad in a very tumultuous relationship as a parent daughter uh, and follows them kind of through this neighborhood, through this world as it goes from, like I said before, as it goes from, pretty uh poverty stricken but dry ish <laughs> to very not dry um and this is one of those movies that's all about tone and if you sink into the tone of this movie i think you'll like the movie quite a bit and if you don't it might be the one of the more boring movies you've ever seen i personally fell into the tone um i liked it quite a bit um i was along for the ride although i could see how people say the ride doesn't go anywhere very much uh uh, in defense of that, I would say this is about 
I guess this is about kind of finding families and finding the people that you have, no matter what the situation is and how those connections are going to happen and are more important than I guess money in this case, because money is not in this world at all. Uh, in fact, it's the opposite of that. And also it's got a lot to do with like how there's a whole sequence where they get out of there. And it's a whole lot in here about kind of marginalized or there's gotta be some stuff in there about the politics of, of New Orleans and the, the, the flooding and all that stuff that happened. But even if you don't know that, I think this movie can work on its own terms. And there's also some mythical magical elements that may or may not work for some people. I, I was, I was down for it. I went all the way along with this and I enjoyed it quite a bit. What about you, Eric? Eric? You loved it as well. Um, So real quick, I want to go over the summary uh, because Greg, you you read a summary earlier and I just kind of want to, I just kind of want to talk about summaries in general (laughs) face with both her hot tempered father's fading health and melting ice caps that flood her ramshackle Bayou community and unleash ancient aurochs. Six-year-old hush puppy must learn the ways of courage and love. That is not at all how I would describe this movie. No. You see, I was having a hard time describing it because I was not saying that. In fact, I almost fell asleep reading that. Come on, let's get let's let's a little something. Let's get some pizzazz. You know, sell the movie. Must learn the ways of courage and love. That this is not that movie. That and maybe it is. I don't know. What I got from this movie was um. Hush Puppy, she's incredibly young and kind of left to fend for herself. Yeah, for sure. But but this is this is like a different world, you know, that a different uh uh community than I'm used to. The the idea of leaving a six year old to fend for themselves is horrifying to me, but I don't know, it seems to work for them. I mean, she's she's definitely able to, except for when she you know, sets her place on fire and sets hide under a cardboard box to, oh that was scene was great yeah um but th- this is kind of uh this is kind of like a slice of life of a world that i'm not familiar with so i'm just kind of outside looking in going okay this is how this is how that works and then you get um kind of towards the part where they uh you know the floods happen and the helicopters are saying you can't be here it's like well who are you tell it for you to tell us to leave, you know, um, tell us that we have to leave. Oh no, we'll take care of you. It's like, yeah, you'll take care of us in, in your community, the one you're used to, the one that we don't want to have anything to do with, you know, um, it's, it's amazing that I saw this the same week I saw Lakota nation versus the United States, because I think there's a lot of crossover between the two of, you know, just kind of coming in. It's like, no, no, we're helping. It's like, are you though? I mean, I know on the surface, and maybe looks like you are, but they're upending these people's lives in ways that they didn't ask for, in ways that they don't want. Um, I will, I will not uh, pretend that Wink is a great father. I think he's a pretty terrible one, but I still thought the uh, the relationship between Wink and Hush Puppy was uh, incredibly interesting to watch, and uh, kind of ends up, uh, you know in kind of sweet almost yeah well, sweet would, and sad at, at the exact same time and i wanted to mention that because actually that reminded me and see if you agree with this it's like it's it's almost more true to life to what 
a lot of relationships with parents are. Yeah. You know what I mean? A lot of parents with are, I mean, looking from the outside, you say like, this is guy's horrible. And it's like, in a lot of ways, yes, he is. But there's also, there is, a, there does seem to be a genuine love between the both of them, even though yeah. they probably would both say that they have some big problems with each other too. There's yeah. something about it that really rung true to me. Yeah. And I granted a lot of uh wink um, abandoning hush puppy, I think has a lot to do with uh, perhaps their culture. Um, a lot of it may be due to he just doesn't care. But then there's certain scenes where he does care. Well, it he also indicates he, he it, wouldn't he wouldn't run into a burning building to find hush puppy if he didn't care. He wouldn't be angry that the doctor's talking about him dying in front of his daughter if he didn't care. So there, there, it's kind of a, it's kind of like a really push and pull kind of relationship. Like on 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 some aspects, it's like Wink, you're a real piece of crap, and then other times, it's like oh, Wink does, <laughs> he, he does care about Hush Puppy. So it, it's kind of a, yeah, it's a very very messy relationship, but an interesting one to watch. Can I call out one other thing about this movie? We're talking about low budget movies, and I'm sure this had to be pretty low budget. I didn't look at the budget, but it ha- can't be a, a ton. Um, this movie does something. That I think it was a million dollars for a million and okay, a half. There you go. There you go. So this movie does a thing that a lot of bigger budget movies have a really hard time doing. And that is when you're making a dystopian society um, of some sort. And this isn't really dystopian, but you know, something that's a little bit out of the actual reality where North, North we were used to seeing that it's really hard to create that and have it be realistic and feel lived in. And I think a, a great example of someone who does that great is um, like the Mad Max movies do a really great job of that. They kind of make the, their own world with this like found stuff and things put together. And then you see a lot of other of those kind of movies and they look, they look just cheesy and, and fake and weird. This movie has great production values for what they're doing with their budget. And something as simple as, this boat that they have made out of the, the the bed of a truck. And it just looks, and I don't know how it was made. It looks to me like they literally took a bed of a truck and figured out a way to make it into a raft and put an engine on it. And it, everything in this movie looks like that. It all feels authentic to me. I don't know what you thought of it. I, that's how I yeah, feel. Yeah, this movie, if I didn't know better, I would think this was a documentary. Except right. for the magical elements. Then yeah. it's like, oh, this is not. That, that and like the, you know, the, I don't. I would hope that a documentary filmmaker wouldn't follow a little girl inside of a cardboard box, <laughs> yeah, to, to get her reaction while the house is burning. I, I would, I would just, yeah. I would hope that the cameraman's like, "Hey, uh, hush, puppy, yeah, let's, let's get the hell out of here." <laughs> okay, so that is Beast of the Southern Wild. It was very, very popular when it's released. I think back in 2012. What is your rating on Beasts, Eric Holmes? Um, this isn't quite my type of movie, but I liked a lot of it. I will go four stars on this one. Mm, good one. Bruce? This is a little more my type of movie. I tend to fall for these a little more, so I'm going to go four and a half. But like we were talking about earlier, movies that seem like homework, I can see a lot of people thinking this seems like homework and it may be enjoying it more than they think. And it's not super long either. I, what, I would I would also say to those people, s- stick with it. Because I, I'm one of those kind of people that start watching this like, oh, God, it's one of these things. One of these and, things, uh, yeah. <laughs> and probably about the halfway mark, it really started to worm its way into my heart, as weird as that sounds. But, um, yeah, yeah, this this movie got better as it went along. Because, and I bet you agree with this, a lot of those movies don't have characters. This has 
actual characters yes. you care you care yes. about. If nothing else, you care about Hush Puppy and her dad. And I think that is a key if you're making these kind of movies. You know what it is? This movie, it, when it started off, um, and met, I, I believe I heard it first from Matty Doe. This came off as poverty porn to me. Like at the, at the very beginning, right? And then once the characters start shining through, I'm like, oh, okay, this is a this is a family drama. I, I'm cool with this. Okay, cool. All right. What would Greg Schwarzenegger give it? Four stars. Yep, four stars. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> Are you guys saying that I give it? It would be a genuine. Stars. I think it would be a genuine four stars. I think you'd like this four stars. Okay, one of these. Days, I, I, actually, yeah. since we're talking about movies, what we think. You said you haven't seen One Cut of the Dead? Not yet. No. Watch Final... Since you haven't seen it, if you're going to watch any of them, watch Final Cut first. Let us know what you think, and then go back to One Cut of the yeah. Dead. Because Bruce and I both saw One Cut of the Dead, and then Final Cut, and we think certain ways about it. I'm very curious what you would think watching Final Cut first, and then what you think of One Cut of the Dead afterwards. Okay. If you get around to it, just, just kind of throwing that idea out there. Okay, that... That idea, Eric, I'm not patronizing. The idea is good. I, I'm not I think do it. I think no, no, no. I think that's a great idea. I think if I, I think I'm gonna have fine, fine time to actually check out Final Cut. I'm not just humoring humoring you. That is, I, I never even thought of it actually that way. But so yeah, um, I'm gonna give it the old college try to see. And by, by the way, because it's from Kino Lorber, and I love, I love Kino Lorber. Yes, I, I love everyone. Yes, Bruce, you were gonna say. No, that's it. I was just just no, just no. waving my fingers around. Just oh, okay, finger, waving your guns. Finger. That's all. It's just yeah, waving guns. your fingers around. Look at that. <laughs> a lot of a lot of waving. A lot of waving. Okay, so that's it. I think we're done. We're done. Next week we have a couple of things. We have the Kyle Gallner movie, Mother May I. We all love dinner. What's in the box, Bruce? What's in the bleeping box? I forgot the segue. My fault. Yes, what's in the box? It's a bit. You're just doing it for the bit. I know. I, I, I always forget. You do right. not forget. It's part of the bit. You're right. It's part of the bit. <laughs> oh, this one. Oh, oh gosh, no. This one has been suggested by someone named um, mm. Eric Holmes. Holmes. Mm, very yeah, good. Eric Never Holmes. heard of him. Never heard of him. Very good. Uh, the Push. Ooh, God, I'm so excited <laughs> to talk about this one. <laughs> oh, The Push. Okay. All right. So it's a movie called The Push. That, I don't even know. It's Darren never... Brown's The Push. I believe it's on Netflix. Um... Darren Brown's The Push. It's called Darren Brown. Darren Brown, the magician Darren Brown. Okay. The mentalist Darren Brown. The Push. It's a uh, documentary. It's a social experiment um, about social compliance. Okay. And I, I will leave it at that. Anyone listening, if we can, let's get into heavy spoilers ne- next week with The Push because there is so much to talk about. Anyone listening, if you haven't watched The Push, just go watch it next week. Let's get heavy into spoilers because it's going to be almost impossible to talk about without that. Okay. We will warn all those people too, who are just listening to that episode that we're going to, at the end, that the push will be pushed to spoilers. Speaking of spoilers for the channel, I actually, I forgot to mention, I talked to William Kaufman. We talked about the end of the movie just very quickly. So that, that'll be for our, specifically for our Cinematics Patreon members. Speaking of which, our buddy Mitch Burns from the Hollywood Persona and the Film Vaulters, he actually voted. He voted on our Patreon. Yes, we have a couple of votes. What would we do without Mitch Burns? Let's see what these votes are. I think I'm going to bring that up right now. Let's see. Okay. Oh. It was. It, 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 I, I don't know how to bring it up. I don't know how to bring it up. Can Can you guys actually vamp? Can you vamp about 
Final words, Eric Holm. <laughs> Eric Holmes, so, final thoughts? The the push is 69 minutes long. Um, probably exactly 69 minutes long. I might not be joking about that, but uh yeah, the Darren Brown, he's got he's actually got a bunch of uh stuff on YouTube that you can find where he's got like the 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 magic shows that he does, but he also has like these uh these TV specials that he does. Mm-hmm. Um he had one where um a guy woke up and they recreated a a post-apocalyptic scenario like a zombie outbreak post-apocalyptic mm. scenario and just to see how how he would react to it he had another one where um he kind of basically just gets like hires a bunch of uh actors to you know play parts and uh, he, he does a bunch of really interesting stuff and Mitch Burns, push. his votes were yes. Oh, I pushed, I push you out of that that yes. comment. We're <laughs> going to talk. We're going to talk a lot about that mentalist, the, the prestige. We're going to yeah. talk about the prestigious or David Copperfield, Gallagher with the watermelons. A lot of stuff on that <laughs> next week. Mitch Burns, his votes were Magnolia or Three Kings. We'll put Magnolia, Three Kings, Austin Powers, The Spy Who Shagged Me from Abby Schmidt. Hopefully, a couple more people from Patreon will vote for this first round, and we're going to have the final round in two weeks. In two weeks, we will be doing our first Patreon episode for our next chapter that would be patreon episode i think what what 53 or 52 anyway sans anderson cowan but me bruce and eric will be doing patreon in about a couple of weeks i'm excited for 1999 i'm excited for what bruce has to say for the final thought this week oh i i have so many thoughts but i'm gonna keep them to myself because i've been talking too much this episode so thank you everybody and vote and if you can't vote because you're not a patreon well get your asses over to the patreon page and become a patreon Become a Patreon or five dollars a month. That helps with, you know, it only helps Greg Sorzavosti because I keep all the money. I don't know if Bruce and Eric know yeah, this or Anderson. He's sitting on a pile uh, of gold right now. A pile of gold. No, yeah, you're not going to see sue me, guys. We'll see you guys next week here on Cinematics. Bam. Um, and Eric, you want to just very quickly, Bruce? You want to get out of here? You want to stay for uh, five minutes or? What are you doing? Min- what are you doing here? He's just going to do an intro for the flood. You're going to do an intro for the flood. Oh, okay. okay. In three, two, one. Hey, everyone. We're back for another episode of Find Your Film. We're- Bruce Perkins is part of the whole mix. Bruce, it's Find Your Film. Do you have a- any uh, little recommendation for this week for people to see this this weekend on Find Your Film? Um, I, uh, anti-recommendation. The 65. It's stupid. Don't watch it. <laughs> okay. Oh, 65. The movie with Adam Driver. The one that you said was the best science fiction film since 2001. Is that the one that you were talking about? Yeah, exactly. That the one. dinosaurs? Yeah, yeah. It, yeah. Not one minute was worth your time? 65? Yeah, it was, it was all right. <laughs> what about 60? What about 69? Is that a better movie than 65? Yes. See, that's when the dinosaurs and Driver got really hot. It was amazing. <laughs> you got to watch out for those big nails, the raptors. But, you know, hey, you just make it work. Lastly, before we get to Eric Holmes, what about just hate watching 65? Is it worth it even at the lowest bar to hate watch it? Well, I would say I would like if Eric was out to watch it, I would like him to watch it and hate watch it just to figure out what they were thinking when they have one alien, which is Driver, who just speaks English, like just an English regular person, but another alien that's on the same ship that he doesn't know the language of, but it's also on his ship. I don't understand this movie. It is stupid. Oh, oh, that is harsh words. Do you have harsh words for, not 65, but The Flood, Eric? What do you want to tell our listeners? (laughs) Yeah, what what do you want to tell our listeners? You already gave it a really positive review, three-star banger for The Flood, Assault on Precinct 13 with alligators set in, I guess, Louisiana amidst a hurricane. Some really good, uh, some big alligators, some uh, prisoners. But what what do the listeners have for this episode from your microphone? 
So I uh, interviewed the director of the flood, Brendan Slagle. Uh, that interview, I don't remember too well because I think that was like a month ago. Uh, that, that, that was a while ago, but more recently. Um, and we had to sit on that interview for a while. But we're going to bring all of them because we also have Casper uh, Van Dien. Uh, we have Nikki Whelan. And we have Louis Mandalore, who is awesome uh in fact all the all the interviews were awesome everyone was really really cool really laid back um casper van dean we got into some uh he he went hard into some acting stuff um i'm not an actor but like he went in like hard into like the the craft of acting um you asked him about servant which was awesome eric holmes is an interviewer very good yeah uh nikki whalen uh you know we kind of get into uh you no, know daughter I, not servant was it called daughter daughter daughter, daughter. yeah, yeah daughter yeah, my bad um with uh nikki whalen uh I, we got to uh bring up uh terrence malik i, I brought up Great a, stuff. A, a lot of stuff i bring up uh the terrence malik he'll shoot it with the dialogue or without and i've been using that forever but i've never talked to anyone that actually worked with them well i did this uh, week as you'll hear with nikki whelan um she kind of talks about that among other things and lewis mandalore i really messed up with lewis mandalore oh yeah um yeah because yeah. i had 15 minutes with him but when the interview started i'm looking at you know i'm always kind of keeping an eye on the clock because the pr people and the the people mm-hmm. interviewing you know you they give you 10 minutes, use nine and, you know, give them, give them that little extra minute. So they I, can get, I use get ready for the next one. If they give you 15, you know, get out at 13 or 14, you know, give them that extra time. And I got out way early. Like I, I bailed like almost six, seven minutes to the interview. Cause I was looking at the time. I, I was looking at the time wrong, but Lewis Mandalore's a great person. And there's a reason why him and Brandon Slagle and Casper Van Dien always work together a lot. And, um, and we also have uh 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 they put movies in the box, so those are great. As oh, well. very very good. Bruce Perky is going to be excited about the movies that they uh, they picked. And by the way, Bruce, you got to listen to his. And of course, you fellow listener has to have to listen to the Nikki Whelan interview. Like Eric said, she goes on about Terrence Malick for about several minutes. So that is nice. very very good. So that's the flood on digital on demand, July fourteenth. This find your film episode is entirely devoted to the flood in. All uh, look again, Eric. You you actually recommend this movie as a three star banger for people who love what? Yeah, Assault on Precinct Thirteen with uh, alligators. If, you know that this is one of those that that's the whole point of a three star banger. You you know what you're getting into. If if it sounds like something fun that you'd want to be into, then go in and have fun with the flood. If this is not your cup of tea, or if you're my sister, probably stay away from it. But you know the. the Different horses for different courses, as Greg says. <laughs> different, I say different courses for different horses and different strokes for different folks or different strokes for Greg Schwarzowski on a given night. Uh, little, little different things. Little different phrases, I, I guess. Left and right. Any, any, uh, you know what? Final words from Bruce Berkeley in your film. Huh? Um, well, let's do it over here. Is it a spoiler to reveal that the alligator comes from behind a Raquel Welsh poster through the wall? Okay, very good. Yeah, he's been, he's been digging the hole in there for... Twenty-seven years. Don't do frame me. That Don't do frame me, my friend. I'm making way down at Zaywatanejo. <laughs> All right, guys. We will see you next week. Thank you.